hey, if you're loving being a part of that tight, close-knit group, everybody's working towards the same goal all the time in your shop, your platoon, whatever, check out construction because everybody on that job site wants the same thing. Everybody in that project wants to get it delivered under budget and on time. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to the CM Mentors Podcast. My name is Matt Graves. My co-host each week's Kyle Grandel. What's going on, Kyle? Hey, doing well, Mr. CCM. How are you today? Man, I got it passed, so I'm doing a lot better this week than I was doing last week. Slip through <laughs> the cracks, my kind of guy. <laughs> they must have graded it with a curve. I don't know. <laughs> but, Congratulations. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Yeah. Um, this week, we got a couple cool guests, uh, actually both military veterans, and we wanted to get on and talk about construction opportunities for military veterans, people that are, are military vets or looking to transition out of the military and and kind of what the construction industry has to offer. So this week we got Scott Friend and Luke Hill. So we want to give them an um, introduction of themselves. So Luke, you want to go ahead and go first? Yeah, sure. Thanks, Matt. Um, as Matt said, I'm Luke Hill. I'm a senior partner with Joseph Chris Partners Executive Search in Houston, Texas, um, focused on the commercial construction industry. In addition to that, I also head up our Veteran Talent Services as the director of that program. Veteran Talent Services is a way for our organization to uh, give back to the veteran community and connect veterans and the uh, construction industry with one another for the betterment of both. And you're a podcast host. And I'm a podcast host, yeah. I'm a co-host of the uh, Off the Hook with Erica and Luke podcast. Um, also, uh, the self-proclaimed fishing recruiter um, <laughs> and a Marine Corps veteran. There you go. Yeah, so I guess I'll go now. I'm a so Scott Friend, um, Navy and Army veteran. So I couldn't decide what I wanted to be. I guess. Uh, yeah, originally from Northern Kentucky. I live just south of Dallas now. I'm a construction superintendent. I'm project super on a job uh, in North Dallas. And I, too, am a podcaster, so I run the Construction Veteran Podcast, where we do kind of a similar mission set to what Luke does and what you guys are doing, really introducing folks to the industry, how to get into it, things like that. Um, Got a wife, three awesome daughters. Uh, I'm an avid fisherman as well, Luke, so we'll have to meet up soon and work that out. But yeah. Hey, my parents have a private property about halfway between Houston and Dallas that's uh, got a three-acre stocked pond with some uh, nice. monster bass in it. So that, uh, next time I'm up that way, I'll let you know. Yeah, you had me at bass. Let's do it. Hey, <laughs> grab me on your way north. Let's go. <laughs> hey, let's do it. I mean, you're south of me, but you got to come up to me and we'll do it. <laughs> How far north so- are you guys going? I mean, I might be a little bit out of the way, but. <laughs> Not that far. Like- 20 hours south of you at least (laughs) well maybe not from where you're at now but from minneapolis yeah (laughs) so this week we finally got kyle outnumbered we got three texas guys against one yankee yeah it's a it's a rough life but hey we're used to it never mind i'm not gonna make a joke right now (laughs) (laughs) you're outnumbered careful Hey, I am jealous find of the you. weather, man. It's it. I'm probably nice and shiny right now. It's blazing hot, at least in Dallas. It was oh hundred something today. Yeah. Our <laughs> office, the the AC keeps giving out like every other week because um, oh, they won't come in and replace it. And uh, yeah, it's it gets blazing hot in there. Our windows face outwards towards the sun, and it Brutal. it gets bad some days. Yeah. Jeez, man. Yeah. Yeah, we had to get a, 
we have temp error on the job right now because we had a snafu like we tend to do in this industry but uh we had to get a bunch of temp units out and thankfully i didn't have any finishes or anything in yet because it was like 90 degrees inside the building and humid oh, and just no. i would just do a site walk and i'm soaked <laughs> it's nasty man that's texas construction though mm-hmm. especially with yeah fun times yeah. you know what you guys can have that i'm gonna stick <laughs> with my 30 degree below zero in the winter time <laughs> i'm not jealous of that either no <laughs> not at all i love our winters down here but well scott you want to give us a little bit of like an intro of i mean you kind of gave us your background but like how did you get transitioned from the military into kind of being a construction superintendent now what'd that yes. look like for you I was fortunate enough that uh, when I was active duty Navy, I was a CB, which is construction. So every branch has their own engineering force of some sort. Um, So I was basically doing the job of a carpenter. I was a builder. And so when I got out, I already had all the qualifications to be a journeyman level carpenter. Um, And I got a friend of mine suggested LinkedIn, which we're all on now. It's like the thing. But back in 2011, there was not nearly as many people as involved. And so I got on, you know, trying to think, what am I going to do when I get out? I had no idea about the the commercial construction world because we're trained uh, in the service more on like the residential side. So all the codes that we learned, you know, it's all stick framing, uh, masonry. We learned, I mean, we did everything except for MEP pretty much, but um, I went to a networking event and I I made my own business cards. I'm like, I'm going to stand out. So I did that went on like Vistaprint probably or something similar. And I just started meeting people and I, it was embarrassing cause I didn't know what to tell them. I just, Hey, here's what I'm doing. And there was a guy who was the chief estimator at the company I worked for at the time when I got out, he liked my story. He liked my attitude and he took a chance on me and they had a really good program where they would take people that were either fresh out of school or fresh out of the military. And you had to go in the field for at least a year So you would learn at least, you know, what do we do? What is the whole big picture in commercial construction, which was great. Um, Whether you were going to go APM or assistant super. Now I knew I wanted to be a super, um, but that gave the PMs uh, that, that background knowledge. So they at least knew why we were griping at them if we needed something in the field. So um, yeah, just worked my way up. I did a little bit of time on the sub side too. And I did a short stint as a PM Uh, wanted to go back to the field. It's just, we'll get into this, I'm sure. And and Luke might agree. It's just such a good transition for service members to get into the industry, especially in the field, because you got the tight teams working towards the same mission. And it was just a very easy transition. What got you in construction in the first place, Scott? Uh, That's a good question. (laughs) So I have to take it back to when I was a kid, I was probably, man, I was like nine or 10, maybe. And my dad and his best friend, we had a, uh, our basement was not finished and they finished it out to be a, a bedroom, a bathroom and a laundry room. And I, I just thought, wow, that's really cool that they were able to do that. I didn't know we, one, I didn't know you could do it yourself. Now everybody's the DIY expert, but I didn't know they could do that. And so I watched it and I didn't really think anything of it at the time because when I first joined the service, I did uh, combat support as an air crewman. Uh, so I was the guy flying in the back of the helicopters while the pilot flew and we were the the logistical guy and we were their eyes and ears in the back. Um, and then we decommissioned the squadron and were, there wasn't really an opportunity for me to do that job at another squadron. We were the only one that did it in the Navy because Luke and his Marines, they did the same job for cheap. 
So the government shut down our, our squadron and I got with the detailer, which is like a career counselor and um, said, Hey, what do I qualify for? You know, here's my ASVAB, here's uh, my reviews and all that. And there was this long list of jobs. And I said, man, I just want to shoot guns and go fast still. <laughs> and uh, he said, well, they need CBs really bad right now. And I, I mean, Luke, I don't know if you can attest to this, but I did not know what a CB was even being active duty. I'm like, the heck is that? And uh, he yeah. said, well, it's construction. You like construction? I, uh, yeah, I guess. And it, I kind of remembered back what my dad did when I was a kid. I said, man, that would be pretty cool. And maybe I can work on my house someday. And I, I really, I, I, if you're not flying in the aircraft, you were helping maintainers, you were maintaining that aircraft and you had to know all about that aircraft. And I went, man, I just, I didn't find pleasure out of it. I have nothing but respect for those guys, obviously. Um, but I wanted to see a finished product. I said, man, you know, yeah, it would be pretty cool to build. So I went back through the schooling and, uh, you know, learned basically the residential codes and how to build and, uh, went through a couple deployments. And I mean, that's really I, I, my, the start to my whole construction journey. And I've obviously stuck with it. That was, that was probably 2007. I want to say I made that transition to that job. So I've been doing it ever since. And as you guys know, once you get in that groove and you kind of see the building coming together, it just, it becomes more and more rewarding and you learn and learn and learn. It's all experience in this industry. Well, and I, I really like asking those, those early questions about how did you get into it? Because what I'm finding a lot of the time, it, like more often than not, people have some kind of ties to when they were a child or something in their childhood, their family was doing something. I mean, it's the same thing for me. Um, I helped my dad finish out some basements and do some work for, for, you know, his family members and stuff like that. And that's kind of what got me doing it in the first place. And then that just, that led to an opportunity to be an electrician and then you know, didn't look back. That was 15 years ago now. Holy crap. Um, so. <laughs> yeah, I wish. So I am taking my daughters uh, every chance I get, I try to bring them on the job site. So I've got three kids. I got a nine-year-old, six-year-old and three-year-old and the older two, I'm comfortable walking them around the job with their little PPE. That's their, you know, their vests that are way too big for them because I don't have any kid size. <laughs> and I'm trying to expose them to the industry more. And uh, my oldest, she's super creative. So I'll, I'll sit her down and show her renderings and things like that. Say, hey, you know, all those drawings you do, this is something you could really do someday. And she's just, wow, you know, that's really cool. And exposing her to all these different facets of the industry. Because uh, she said, you know, I don't, I don't want to swing a hammer, daddy. Like she doesn't want to do that part. And I said, well, there's a lot more to it than that. And, mm -hmm. you know, you don't see daddy doing that work anymore. There's there's more to it that they could do. That's cool. So, Luke, you had a different path. Well, you, you play a different role in the construction industry anyway. So you want to kind of give your how do you got into what you're doing now? Yeah. So, um, you know, growing up, my dad was a heavy equipment uh, mechanic. He works on, you know, big yellow iron, uh, things y'all see on job sites all day, every day. Um, and I, they, they had a family business doing it. And I was told my whole life, Hey, you don't want to land here because it's hard work. It's outside. It's going to make you sweat and whatever. And I knew at the end of high school that I wasn't ready for college, uh, mentally. I wasn't mature enough. I was really burnt out on school. So I said, I'm going to just join the Marine Corps and do something different with my life. Um, Where it's not hard I, work and you don't sweat. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> never outside, never <laughs> right. My dad tried to talk me into the army, but because uh, he was in the army and my grandpa was in the army and his dad and so on and so forth. Um, but I'm a little hard headed and had to piss him off somehow. So uh, I went Marine Corps. Um, 
thinking I'd do either four years and then go to school and go do engineering or something, or that I'd stay for a career and, you know, somehow become an officer or whatever. Neither of those paths were what happened. I joined, I ended up in a career field called chemical, biological, radiological, and nuclear defense, which is a very long way of saying we were sitting waiting for something to happen that is highly unlikely, but in the event it does, it's going to be catastrophic. So that being said, our biggest job was learning how to communicate and relay complex information to diverse groups of people. And whether that's teaching a room full of, you know, privates and Lance corporals and corporals about their gas mask before they go in the gas chamber, or it's sitting in a command operations center, uh, giving a briefing to, you know, a colonel or a general, which, you know, I did it. 20 year 21 years old brief day uh, three-star general on potential threats because we were in an exercise with them and so you, you have to learn how to relay a lot of information and communicate professionally which i didn't think was ever going to be anything i used and you know go figure i land in recruiting but uh yeah got out came home had no idea what i was going to do with my life um and was living with my parents and my dad came with me one day and he said you've got 30 days you're going to be working in 30 days or I'm going to drag your butt to the shop and teach you how to turn a wrench. Hmm. Um, interviewed for a veteran apprenticeship program in the construction industry. And their, uh, their, their recruiting manager at the time was the, uh, he was also a retired first sergeant. He was talking to me and he's like, look, I can stick you on a uh, telecommunications tower, climbing 400 feet in the air, uh, helping build those things. Or I can sit you in the office. You can learn how to make phone calls and talk to people and get them in here. Did that, fell in love with it, ended up running the department there, and then got brought on uh, here at Joseph Chris Partners two years later and um, been working to bring on the uh, high-level uh, talent within the commercial construction industry. And, yeah, it's uh, I've, I've kind of fallen in love with uh, the construction industry and with the recruiting side of it, too, just because we do get to work with so many different people across the country, across the world sometimes even. And, you know, it, it's such a rewarding career. Um yeah, and that's how I landed in it. it. And it's passions run deep and they run high. And, you know, there's like Kyle said, there's always some kind of connection. It's when it dawned on me, my dad works construction adjacent. I work construction adjacent. My grandfather worked in construction with the Corps of Engineers and ran his business. It's just, you know, three generations of us have uh, made our livings this way. So it's uh, it's kind of cool. That's cool. What are the what do you all do with your uh, veteran services? Like, What kind of resources do you all provide? Yeah, so veteran talent services, um, we do for veterans, we'll provide like one on one kind of mentorship and coaching sessions. I've helped some folks with their resumes, um, give them kind of general guidance on, you know, hey, here's some, uh, you know, here's some good programs to look into. I point a lot of people to SkillBridge because it's just such an incredible program. And then try to connect them with mentors in the industry if I can. Um, you know, we also, when we do have those kind of like, Scott mentioned and APM and assistant super things like that. I'll try to connect people with those opportunities as I can. And, uh, you know, see if we can get the timing worked out. That's the hardest part when you're trying to work with transitioning veterans to find them a job is figuring out that timing, because you could be talking to them three weeks from leaving and they're in a panic, or you could be talking to them a year and a half out. Um, on the company side, you know, we help take companies from, uh, what we call, you know, from, from veteran friendly, as they'll say to veteran ready. And we can, help implement, you know, veteran hiring programs. We can help them seek out veterans and stand up uh, veteran employee resource groups, things like that. 
Um, there's a lot of things that companies can do and, and really we can, it's something that, uh, you know, we can tailor a, uh, we, we can find a way to tailor a solution on what they want. So if, a, if somebody's in the active service and they're looking to get out, whether it be in two weeks and they're in a panic or it's a, you know, a year and a half out and they're looking for the future, I'm going to ask you both. I'll let you go first, Luke. But what are kind of what are the first steps if they're like looking at the construction industry, looking at ways to get into it? I mean, I'm imagining they've been, you know, maybe 10 years, a decade in the Army or the Marine Corps or whatever. And they're thinking like maybe construction and they have no clue where to start. Where do they start? Yeah, um, I always tell people go to LinkedIn, um, go to LinkedIn and start with the geographical area that you plan to be in. I always tell people go back home first because you need to be around a support system. Um, don't have to stay there, but it's a good spot to transition to. Um, and once you get there, you know, when, once you're on LinkedIn, finding those people, just look for the voices that are that are the people that are out there posting a lot. You know, it's if somebody was looking in Houston, they'd run across Matt. If somebody's looking in Dallas, they'll run across Scott. You know, go find people out there who are in the field, in the industry, and connect with them, you know, tell them, Hey, I'm interested in a career in construction. I want to know what it's like in the industry. Would you mind sparing a few minutes? And it's, uh, I think Scott, I heard you say something about it with somebody on your podcast the other day. Um, those two construction tech guys, um, talking about, you know, if, if you just reach out to them, most people in the industry will take that time to talk to you and say, Hey, yeah, here's, you know, here's what I do. Here's a good way to get into it. And, you know, do their best to either, you know, connect you to somebody on their team who's looking for help or connect you to somebody they know. Construction's a big industry in a small world. Yeah, so Scott, so, you kind of, I was going to yeah, say, go you kind of, you took a swing at it whenever you were trying to get into the industry. I mean, you got, now that you've been in there for a while, you got some different advice? I'm the exception to the rule. I don't think a lot of people, I mean, especially vets and obviously speaking uh, as a veteran, it's, it's, it's frightening, man. It's, it's scary to get out especially when you got guys like Luke and I that, you know, we joined straight out of high school and that's, I mean, yeah, I worked like a, a, at Kroger for a year and at a pizza shop, but like, these are not a career. So the only career I had was the service and it's all I ever knew. And so thankfully I was stationed in DC when I, when I got out and I had, uh, my family wasn't there, but I had a good base group of friends, um, which really did help me with the, like the personal transition out. Um, but I tell a lot of people, kind of like what Luke says is not only to find those people, but I, um, I help a couple different companies out just as a free volunteer where there are people getting out and they'll call me specifically about our industry and say, you know, Hey, what do I do? And the first thing I ask them is, well, what do you want to do in the industry? Because kind of going back to what I said with my daughter there, we all know there's so many different facets to this. You know, do you want to be in design? Do you want to be the guy driving a dozer? Do you want to be stressed out every day as a superintendent like what do you want to fires. do in this yeah so you want to be a firefighter in the industry so really I, I try to get those folks to key in on uh like i had a guy call me recently and he's really interested in safety but he was trying to find a path to like a project management position i said well what do you want to do you know you got to challenge yourself so do you want to be a pm or do you want to be in safety so let's talk about that let's explore your options then that, that really helps them to key in on who they should talk to on LinkedIn or uh, in their local community. So I, I think the general public, um, not even just vets, but a lot of people are just, um, I don't want to say uneducated, but they just don't know all the different parts and pieces that there are to this industry from the, the vendors to the manufacturers mm -hmm. to the, the trade partners. 
you guys, us in the field, like all these different jobs that you can do. So, I mean, I go as far as to say there's there's something for everybody in this industry. If you don't like people, stick yourself in an office and go design things. Like if that's what you want to do, that's cool. If you like numbers, be an estimator. So, yeah, I just I try to key them in on what do you want to do with your life. Like what, what brings you joy? Um, kind of like Luke mentioned, he had those two options of, do you want to be, you know, a thousand feet in the air or do you, you want to deal with the people? <laughs> There's people that think I'm crazy for doing this, right? I mean, not a lot of people want to be in the field. It's tough, uh, but I don't, I did a short stint as a PM. I didn't necessarily enjoy every second of it, but I did enjoy it, but it was good experience for sure. So yeah, just getting them, I guess a good way to look at it is, um, coaching those people uh when they link up with somebody like us coaching them to make the decision i'm not going to tell you what you should do with your career but we can help you kind of guide it yeah. the military will put a square peg into a round hole it will make <laughs> you fit true. into its culture into what it does and if you ask someone who's been in the military hey how did you enjoy your time some of them are going to say i freaking hated it it was terrible every day and you know that that's the thing. You don't want to try to push somebody into another situation like that. You want to make sure that they're going somewhere that, um, <clears throat> oh, sorry about that. Um, you want to make sure they're going somewhere that is comfortable for them, somewhere that is going to be that good fit and good long-term. Um, you know, it, it's, it's just like you said, there's a lot of, there is a lot of, opportunity there's a lot more than just you know the swing and the hammer that everybody says is every time proverbially but uh it's there, there's so much to do in the industry yeah. and everybody can find something I've yeah you don't have to get a uh, pigeonholed either i think is a huge thing that in the service you kind of you got your job and 90 percent of the time that is going to be your job for the continuation of, the, of your career especially if you're only in I, i'm kind of again an exception because i had that opportunity to switch which we don't get that much in the service, but mm -mm. I'm not telling anybody to go quit their job, but we also have to inform these folks that are transitioning out that, Hey man, if you, if you go to this job that you thought you would like, you know, get at least a year in or something, get some knowledge and get used to the industry and then see what's out there. So get an internship, you know, become a project engineer because we know that the junior folks in the industry, the, the project engineers, office engineers, assistant supers, like your job is to learn really most often you're not going to be in charge of the project unless like my first job was about 2 million when I was an assistant super. And I just happened to be in charge because it was a smaller job on our end. Um, and that's, that's rare to have an assistant, but you're, you're not going to be in charge of a large job. So I, I try to encourage them of, Hey man, you're that private again, you're that brand new recruit. Your job is to just become disciplined in what we do and learn, learn, learn. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and that's something I tell a lot of vets too, when they're, um, when they're, uh, getting out and they're telling me what they want to do. It's all too often. You'll hear somebody say, well, you know, currently I'm a, you know, I'm a Oh five or Oh six or whatever. So I'm, I'm a, you know, VP level and it's well, but not necessarily, uh, or you'll hear somebody tell you, Oh, I'm a gunnery sergeant. So, you know, I'm an operations manager. It's, again, <laughs> you're not, have you ever, ever done any form of uh, construction or construction management? And you got to understand you're going to start somewhere. You may be able to, you know, you may be able to pick it up quick and grow quick. That happens all the time, but you've got to start somewhere. Yeah. I've, I've had tough conversations with folks like that. They're, you know, they're top of their game. They might be like a command master chief or command sergeant major, which for you guys, that's that's the top enlisted rank. 
Um, and this is an individual that's probably only, depending on how long they serve, they could be late 30s, early 40s, mid 40s, maybe. Um, so this is not somebody that's ready to retire from a civilian career. And you're having to tell them, hey, look, you, you do have a lot of experience leading people. And so we try to be respectful about it. However, you know, trying to come into the industry at this executive type level may not happen right away. You'll get there. And I, I promise you'll probably get there faster than some of your counterparts mm -hmm. because they've got the leadership skills, the soft skills. So that's that's on them, too. They, they got to humble themselves sometimes to realize, hey, man, you're probably not a VP level yet. You got the skills and you can get there. Um, yeah. And then they come out expecting the pay to match that title too. And that's tough. I was that guy when I got out, um, I, you know, I'd been told the taps told me it and, uh, the, everybody I knew who was, you know, transitioning at taps is a transition assistance program for anyone who didn't know, but, uh, yeah, they, they'll tell you, Oh, you know, y'all got great leadership skills. You'll be able to get a leadership role. And so I was, you know, applying to positions that, clearly I was unqualified for and like, Oh, nobody wants to hire a vet. No, it's, I just, I had to kind of take that, take that lick and uh, understand I'm starting out all over. Um, I, I mean, shoot, I was just a corporal. I wasn't that high up the ladder anyway. Um, I was in charge of people, but not that yeah. many. Yeah. I, I think one thing I would encourage folks to do too is the guy that's a year out is in a lot better position because they have all that time to prepare. Skillbridge, Luke mentioned that. That's a fantastic program. I've, I've helped some folks here. Uh, for anybody that doesn't know what that is, they will take a transitioning veteran. Uh, and Luke, correct me if I'm wrong. I think it's the last six months that they're in, something yeah, like six that. six months. Yeah, so they take them. They're still getting the active duty pay, but they'll be able to serve in an unpaid internship at a company they're interested in, um, you know, for us, it might be, Hey, I want to be an electrician when I get out. Hey, I want to be a superintendent. So the benefit to the company is obviously it's, it's free, but they're, they're able to train this future leader. This person's still getting paid. So it's this tremendous benefit for both parties, but they've also got that window of time to do the certifications. If they want to start yeah. in school, Hey, get the ball rolling now. That way, when you do get out, I mean, I separated in 2011, and uh, that 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 program didn't exist, as far as I know. It might have. It might have. It, it launched was never, in a pilot phase. Yeah, so but it yeah. wasn't exposed to us. Um, but it was the same thing. My tap experience was exactly that. They taught us how to write a resume, and mm -hmm. I'm like, well, where are all the, you know, I don't want to go into IT. Where where? And no offense if somebody's in IT that's listening, but <laughs> that just wasn't <laughs> for me. Uh, so we 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 didn't do a good job. Uh, or we aren't doing a good job, I think, as an industry, really exposing this industry to those transitioning vets. So we're all on that same mission. I mean, me specifically, and I know Luke, we're, we're looking at these people and trying to expose the industry to them, but the onus is on them. Like, what do you want to do? Seek it out, find out what certifications look good, build your resume. Then when you get out, you can say, oh, by the way, on top of all this experience I have, I have dot, 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 dot certification or whatnot. And the cool thing is, the service will pay for that. So they have free yeah. tuition assistance while they're in. So they can start college. Yeah, you got the GI Bill. But when they're in the service, they have all these opportunities. That it's it's tough because nobody's really showing them the opportunities. But again, it really does fall on the individual. It, it's out there. There's tons of resources. And there's guys that get out like loot. They go, oh, you know, you become grumpy. Nobody's hiring me. Nobody's hiring veterans. What are you doing? You know, yeah. it's on you, too. There's this a great right. video about that uh, from if you know who Donnie O'Malley is. There's a mm -hmm. 
great video about stop whining and do something. Uh, yeah, great one. Does the GI Bill, will it pay for like a trade school or something like that? Or for like a specialized project management, if you want to get into construction management or something like that? Or is it purely yeah. like four-year schools? I can cover that. There's a VA registered programs can uh, get covered, even like apprenticeships. Um, the program I used to work at, uh, that, that was, I was a recruiter learning how to recruit and I was getting my GI bill stipend every month to cover like cost of living. And basically it's there to cover the difference between what you would make at that entry level and at what's considered the journey level. Um, it'll pay for, there, there are so many approved programs out there. And if you're in an approved program, not only do they pay your tuition, but they'll give you a check every month too to help you, you know, pay for food and rent and things like that because you're, I mean, depending on what you're doing, you may or may not be working full time. Yeah. And I, I, uh, I had a similar situation where I just didn't know yet what I wanted to major in. So I got a couple of my, my undergrad classes out of the way, the basics, um, and they were paying me, they were paying that stipend, but there's also like, there's flight programs. If somebody wants to get out and, mm -hmm. Hey man, I want to be a pilot. Most of these reputable programs across the U.S., they even have it on their website, you know, GI Bill accepted, or they'll have a veteran person uh, that deals with solely these people that have the GI Bill to use. Um, in Texas, I don't know if you guys know, Luke, I'm sure you know, but uh, we have a program, the Hazelwood Act. So if you, yeah, if you enlist, additional. yep. If, uh, see, I, I'm from Kentucky originally, but if I had enlisted in Texas and I did, you know, my combat deployments, I think it's, uh, it's like 150 or 180 days on active duty. So you can even have a reservist that if they get activated for so many days, their school is completely paid for. This is separate from the GI bill. Their wow. school is completely paid for as long as they go to a state school in the state of Texas. So yeah. what's really cool about that. And most, most vets in Texas know that. Um, I mean, there was guys that I knew that were from Fort Worth when I, were in, I was in and they said, yep, I'm going home and I'm going to, you know, whatever school. Um, but what they can do with their GI bills, they can transfer it to their kids, their spouse. That, so this is all this free money that they have. Oh, I shouldn't say free taxpayers pay for it. Right. But you yeah. know what I mean? Uh, we're not going to get into that discussion, but, um, <laughs> so they have all this, these benefits that they can then transfer. So it's a benefit to the whole family really. But, um, you back to your original question though, man, I'd be hard pressed to find some sort of professional program. Now, if you want to do underwater basket weaving, they're not going to pay for that. Right. But if it's a legitimate uh, state-run school or something that's recognized in the industry, more than likely, even a trade school, uh, they're they're going to pay for it. But you guys probably see this too, that most of the trades now, because we need people so badly, they're paying for their trade school. The company's paying for it. Mm -hmm. you know, come 90 days on board, you're doing well. We're going to pay for you to go through the apprenticeship program. So then again, they got all this free money sitting out there. Yeah. So that's a really good lead. And the question that I was going to jump in and ask about was what kind of trends you guys might be seeing with transitioning vets. And, and kind of what I'm interested in is like, like numbers wise, are you guys seeing maybe less than there used to be? Or are you seeing more? Because I'm really interested in how this might impact this, you know, the trade shortage that we're experiencing, what's coming up in the future. So are you guys seeing anything one way or the other? I'm not tracking a whole lot of it, but I do know that retention is down for the most part. I know that most branches are struggling right now. There's been a little bit of uh, I think there's been some stop loss what they call it, where they uh, basically tell you, Hey, you can't get out because you're still obliged. However long of inactive behind um, and then throwing the world at people to keep them in as far as bonuses go. So 
I mean, I'd imagine there's more getting out that way. Um, military recruiting and retention is in the toilet right now. Yeah. I mean, from my perspective in the field, it, it's been kind of the same for me. I, I don't know if I'm seeing more or less. Since I've become outspoken about it, obviously I'm meeting a lot more people in the industry. Um, but I don't know if I've seen more or less people getting in, in, into the industry. I think as an industry, we're seeing less people as a whole. Uh, but I don't know if we're seeing less veterans. Um, and my whole message with what we're trying to do is just keep trying to preach that, man, this is such a good transition for those people that have all those soft skills we need and have the, the very type A mentality, very organized, know how to lead people, all that stuff. I think it'll come around. And there's this big group of veterans uh, because of the retention efforts that Luke was saying um, that I'm like, man, we have all these people's attention now that we can bring into the industry. This, this can backfill all the stuff that we do need. And I was on a buddy of mine's podcast where he was, uh, I want to say he was an MP um, and he got, he served with uh, maybe an SF unit as well. He got attached to them. And he said, man, I would take any foreman that I've got and they would be a great grunt. Like it, it works both ways. You know, yeah. They'd be a great grunt in the service. Uh, they can just lead the charge. It's, it's all those soft skills, but I don't know if I'm seeing it increase or decrease. I, I will say I, I meet a lot more of the older generation vets, like the Gulf War. We're not meeting Vietnam vets or anything. Those guys are, are much right. older than the working age now, but um, a lot of folks in their older age that have served, I'm not seeing a lot of, um, I'll say 40 and below. I'm, I'm just really not meeting a lot of those folks now. What's so weird. And I, 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 I'm pretty plugged in in Houston here. I used to participate in several different cigar night for veteran events that go on nice. and a bunch of stuff like that. I knew um, I liked you. <laughs> hey, that's, I'm all about it. You make it to Houston. Stogies are on me. There's a yes, great shop around the corner. Owned by a vet. Um, hey. But uh, where was I going with that? Yeah, anyway, uh, <laughs> I was almost always the the only not nine or not uh, – GWAT, uh, like, you know, I, I didn't actually go and fight in the global war on terrorism. I was in while it was in. I've got the fancy little medal for it. But um, I, I was typically the youngest guy in the room. I'm 28 years old right now. Um, and there was typically, it was like me and then this big divide to the, like, you know, 35 plus group. Um, and I think it's honestly just, I don't know why, but a, for some reason, a bunch of vets we're stay, staying away from other veterans for a while there. And it's just so weird. Like, I don't know why. And it worked wonders for my uh, mental health when I started spending time with them. Um, it, it's I spent the first six months after my transition living in a small town in North Carolina with some people. Anyway, um, <laughs> that I'm glad I don't live around anymore. But um, yeah, and, and I was podcast. involved. Yeah. <laughs> I was involved in a uh, uh, in the Marine Corps League out there, and it was great, and it was awesome spending time with you know some of those guys. But they were all like World War II, Korea, Vietnam veterans. Um, I was the only person in our chapter who was a registered member under the age of like fifty five, I think. Um, and I was twenty three. It was just it was weird. It's there's not a lot of it, it's not there's not the camaraderie, but it's not as relatable, um, and it it. It was bad. Like, I mean, the transition is going to be rough it, it, mentally. It always is. Um, and there's things you can do to mitigate that and getting around a group of people closer to your own age and who kind of understand a little better is 
a little smarter thing to do. Yeah. And that's what's weird. You know, Kyle, I kind of saw you do the, the cock your head. Cause it, it, it does sound weird that you have these vets that don't want to spend time with other vets, but I experienced that too. And yeah, um, it, the VFW, um, not, not them specifically, a lot of these organizations, typically it was a lot of older gentlemen sitting around a bar, smoking cigars and drinking beer. And mm -hmm. wasn't much more than that for a long time. It's, it's definitely changed as we've got us GWAT vets getting out and getting more involved in these things. But, um, so it was difficult because we've, we fought in different wars. So there's a big difference there. It's a different generation. Um, so there was, it, it causes the mental health issues because you, you can't, you, really connect with a lot of other people and it's hard for us to get out. And even if you are into this industry, not having another person to really just, I hate to say it, but like commiserate with, you're like, man, this sucks. Or this is what I'm going through. It's tough. Um, yeah. I think, I think that's definitely improving as we see, you know, when, when the drawdown of Iraq, if you, or excuse me, Afghanistan a few years ago, because even from Iraq to Afghanistan, that's a much different yeah. war, much different landscape. So we have these different experiences and it's this, uh, who can I relate to? So it's a lot different with our generation because I mean, we were in that war for 20 years. So it's going to be much more common. I would say to, to run across somebody who served in the last 20 years than you would see in the nineties. Whereas, you know, we were in peacetime. So it was rare to meet a veteran at that point. So I think that's definitely changed and I I'm encouraged. I think there, we're going to see more and more vets getting into the industry because of that. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I've told people all the time too. the biggest thing that changed for me when I got out was I lived in the barracks the whole time I was enlisted single. And if I was bored, he, you know, even the times I had my own room and not a roommate, if I was bored or if I was, you know, lonely or whatever, not that I would admit I was lonely, but I could just go bang on somebody's door until I pissed them off enough that they opened it up and said, what do you want? Hey, let's, you know, go bowling or watch a movie or, I mean, God forbid, go to the E-Club and have a few drinks. But, you know, it's, there was always someone there and, uh, you know, I'm not recommending binge drinking, but if you're going to do it, don't do it alone. Um, uh, but, you know, like there was always something to do. I, I was known at my last unit to go and find my PFC and, hey, come on, we're going to we're going to go out in town and have a cheeseburger. Like and just because I didn't have an, a peer there at my level for a long time. So it was, hey, come on, dude, we're going. Come on, boot. We're going to hop in the, you know, we're going to go for a run or going to take my kayak down to the lake and paddle around a bit. And it's, you find, I mean, it, it's, you guys know y'all are in construction. There's a lot of like, it, it's really tight. People are, are close knit and it's, it's a, there, there's a lot of that sense of camaraderie and I've picked a lot of it back up in the industry. And it, you know, it, it's one of the things I enjoy most about it. And it's one of the things I tell people a lot when they're asking about it, it's, Hey, if, you know, you're loving being a part of that tight, close knit group. Everybody's working towards the same goal all the time in your shop, your platoon, whatever. Check out construction because everybody on that job site wants the same thing. Everybody in that project wants to get it delivered under budget and on time, you know, and, and it's it's easy. I, I don't know. It, it's that that's what I've found. Yeah, we say, I mean, Luke probably saw this too, like 
if the younger enlisted folks are not complaining, they're not happy. So it's the same yeah, thing in the field, exactly. right? Like we're, we're getting stuff done, but man, we're going to complain about it. Oh, I got to work later. Oh crap. This person's making me mad or, you know, Matt, I'm going to pick on you. Ah, oh, the freaking owner rep. Like, you know, we all pick on each other. We get mad at somebody, but it's, it's weird. Cause we find that camaraderie in that commiserate, uh, commiserating. Um, it's the same thing in the service. So like Luke said, he alluded to that, you know, you got that, that goal. That's the mission. And man, every single veteran I've run across in this industry has likened it to their time in the service because we're all working together. We don't care what your background is. Uh, we don't care where you come from, what you look like, yada, yada. It's, Hey, look, we're all here for the same mission. We, we love you as a person. Um, but right now, you know, it's nine o'clock at night, the concrete pours late. Like we got to keep going and, and everybody rallies the troops and gets together. So, and that's not to say, you know, we don't, we don't want to know about our colleagues. Like when there are downtimes, you know, we've all seen it in jobs where you, you get to that, that spot where it's just kind of, it's on cruise control. You know, you're waiting for the next big definable feature of work to come up. And really all you got going up is maybe a little bit of framing and, and it's not the most exciting part of the job. That's the time that we do have, Hey man, um, we're only going to work eight hours today. Like you want to go hang out, uh, grab a beer, do something. And, and we get to know our peers that way. So it's, it's that tight bond of just going through the crap together. Yeah. I thought the construction industry, I've, I've seen parallels to it, to, to the military and also to like organized team sports, you know, it's just like a group of, I mean, say just a group of guys, group of girls, whatever, all just kind of all play a role, right. But you all got to come together and work together to basically get the job done. And like, we do it really well. And it's amazing that construction projects get built, no matter how many people have to touch it, right? Yeah. Um, and what That's all goes into it. Good and bad part of the industry sometimes, <laughs> depending on all these people. It's funny you bring that up. Um, I had a job I was on where, you know, I I'll liken the, this again, back to the service where when you're in country and you have a, a mission set of some sort, man, we might not like each other. We don't hang out with each other outside of work. Like there's that happens in the, in the battalion as well of this guy's a jerk. I don't like him, but we have like people's lives depend on it. We have to get this done kind of thing. I had a, a senior superintendent that I worked with and he did not mesh very well with somebody from the building. They forced him to go out and play golf with the guy. And it was this, you know, they, they forced them to get together outside of work and, and lo and behold it, they still didn't love each other but it made the project go that much smoother. And, and I find that a lot with the guys that I'm close with outside of work. Um, you know, Hey, we might be GC to sub at work. Um, and they're really good at making that, that draw like, Hey, I got to make the decision today. I'm sorry. But outside of work, I, I enjoy meeting them and learning who they mm -hmm. are as a person. And I've said before that, you know, some of these guys own the company. So I'm friends with maybe some of the, the trade partner owners and, I know it's going to hurt them personally if they lose money on that job. And so I'm going to try like hell to make sure that they get what they deserve and what they pay for, because that impacts my relationship with them outside of work as well. Well, some really good stuff here, guys. And, and I can definitely see that. I mean, there's so many parallels, especially with, with the camaraderie part of things, because I just think back to the, to the large projects that I've worked on and, you know, large with, you know, I'm, I'm thinking a couple hundred people on a single project working. And um, what made them the best projects and the most successful, it was the teamwork. It was the collaboration. It was that sense of camaraderie. And a lot of that was driven outside of work. It wasn't driven at the job site per se. It was the team going out, getting some beers, getting some dinner, like, because that's what builds the trust. 
that's what builds the respect and that's what really drives a culture where people actually legitimately want to work together and see each other succeed. Yeah. I've, I'm going to call bull crap on whoever said, you know, the work life balance, it's all intermingled. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. no matter how hard I try, if I have a tough day, it's going to show when I get home and my wife knows, Hey, it's been a rough one. Or if I got something bad going on at home, it's going to come up at work. I'm going to be frustrated. Um, and so I think that helps too of shoring each other up. Um, but we see these people so much more, uh, like I, you know, we do very late nights in the field sometimes or we're, or we're working weekends and I see these guys a lot more than I do my spouse or my kids. And so I have to have a good relationship with them because if not, you know, three quarters of my day is just going to be hell. So that's absolutely, it boils down to relationships, period. I mean, that's the relationships and communication, I think are the most important thing in our industry. And, and again, looping it back to the service, it's the same thing. You got to be up on comms with each other. You have to have a status report of what's going on and you got to care enough about that individual that one, you know, you're not getting them hurt Two, you're bringing them home. So it's the same thing out in the field. I've told people a lot of times that, you know, one of the things that I've carried with me most is uh, I went through the Marine Corps Leadership Academy or whatever uh, NCO Academy they call it uh, after I got promoted to corporal and uh, went through, it's called the corporal's course and they stress it to you in there that the mission of Marine Corps leadership is mission accomplishment and troop welfare in no particular order. And that's, you know, you have to have people that are, you know, good to be able to perform the mission. They have to be taken care of. And, you know, if you're performing the mission, you're going to be taking care of your people. And it's, it's all intermingled. And it's, that's something I've kind of tried to carry with me everywhere. It, it's, you have to look out for one another and you have to look out for the job or the project. And, you know, for us, that's looking out for our clients, making sure we're protecting their interests and getting them the right people. And, and, on the other side, making sure we're getting the candidates with the right, uh, with the right people. But it all comes back again to just like you said, it, it's, you got to take care of one another and take care of your, your, whether it's a coworker, a client, a subcontractor, whatever it is, you've got to take care of everybody. Yeah. I want to switch the gear for just a second. <clears throat> so Luke, a couple of days ago was national hire veteran day and you put a, a pretty good post out there about, you know, things um, companies can do to be quote veteran ready. But I wanted to, uh, Wally Adamchick put a really cool comment on there, I thought. And he says, Love Wally. He's a great dude, man. Um, he's, a, he's a really good guy. He says, Don't say you're veteran friendly if you don't actually, if you don't have any or do anything to recruit them. So I was going to ask, What are some stuff, so what are some things companies can do to recruit and really support veterans? Call me. Um. <laughs> nice plug, man. Nice plug. <laughs> hey, I, just set you up I just set you up perfect. Shameless plug. I did the same thing on Josh McMahon's podcast last time I was on. <laughs> um, no, honestly, seriously, like the best things you can do are, for one, you know, Texas, we have the Texas Veterans Commission. Reach out to them. Ask them, hey, do you have veterans that are looking for work? Or how do I get into the portal? Anybody can log into that for free in Texas. Any employer can create an account and get in there and hire vets completely free. Um, now they have to be vets that are you know actively going to workforce centers and things like that. Um, you can contact the VA. You can look through like veteran service organizations lists and go through them. Uh, one thing I've told a lot of people to do too. It, it's you know when you put those veteran postings out there 
make sure you've also got those job posts listed around some of the bases, like major ones. If you're trying to recruit people into your company when they're transitioning out and you don't have a post at Fort Hood, Fort Benning, Camp Lejeune, Camp Pendleton, uh, what's the big one in Central Texas? Or not, not Fort Hood, the other one. Uh, Sam Houston, Fort Bliss, uh, you know, Colorado Springs for uh, catching Fort Carson and all that. If you're not Bliss posting those, bad, sorry. <laughs> yeah, Bliss is, uh, no, Bliss is West. It's uh, El Paso. El Paso. Oh, that's right. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, but I mean, if you're not putting your job postings in places like that, you're missing people. Um, if you're not in touch with the transition assistance programs, which you can find information for on those base websites, then you're missing people. Um, for example, I know Fort Hood does it, and I know from experience Camp Lejeune does it. They all have big job fairs a couple times a year where it doesn't, I don't believe it costs anything. I used to go all the time, and you can go set up a table and talk to tons of people who are anywhere from three months to a year and a half out and do that. And it, and it takes a lot of active effort, too. I mean, you got to be out there on putting content out, putting the social out, and, and actively making sure you're forging those relationships and man, don't just, you know, just cause you're a construction company doesn't mean you have to hire an engineer uh, from, it doesn't mean you have to hire a CV doesn't mean you have to hire, you know, the HVAC mechanic who knows how to install a system, Hi, take a chance. You know, it's people have the soft skills when they're coming out of the service and you've got to make sure that, you know, they, they know um, that, you know, they, they're going to come in, they're going to have to learn, they're going to have to work hard, do it, but give them that chance and give them the opportunity. Don't pigeonhole someone based on what they did for the military. I'll, yeah, I, I'll chime in there and just say real quick that I've been mentoring a guy who's transitioned out of the army and he's getting into construction project management. And he reached out looking for a mentor because he basically said, Hey, I'm trying to get into this and I don't know what I'm doing. Right. I did all that in the military. And it's different. And he was more in the supply chain and all this sort of stuff. And he was basically explaining everything he's doing. And I'm like, you're doing everything a project manager does. Just mm -hmm. you just got to learn the new words, right? And you're, you're you just got to apply. You're delivering a different product at the end of the day, but you're doing the same job. And like it kind of, I saw his anxiety. It's kind of been melting away when you're realizing like it is the same job, right? You would never think it, but it's it's the same thing. Yeah, there's Other just thing, less acronyms. Than there are companies <laughs> to like. I always tell them to get into like Veterati, which is mm -hmm. a great mentorship platform. Um, if somebody's got a passion for it, whether they're a veteran or not in your company, get them connected on Veterati to spend time with those people as they're transitioning out. Um, uh, because that'll, I mean, that'll funnel people directly to you for one. Um, and for two, the veteran community, it's, we've talked about it. It's very inner, inner, connected, very commingled, talk to the vets that you know in your company or talk to, everybody knows a veteran. <laughs> so talk to someone and say, hey, where can I go talk to other veterans without stuff? And, and you know, it may be through VFWs, American Legion halls, things of that nature, but it, it's, there, there's a lot of word of mouth and it's very powerful in the construction industry. And let your vets be champions for you, man. Give them a platform. Let them talk about what they love and put it out there so that they'll tell their friends or they'll post it somewhere and or you post it and somebody goes, hey, there's a, you know, another Seaburn Marine who's loving his life. So let me uh, let me go join him over there. Yeah. And I uh, a lot of people have been commenting on the post I had made, too. And we talk about this tap class a lot. It, you can reach out to your local base and get with that coordinator 
and figure out, hey, how can my company get in there? How can we have a representative, a project manager, or an executive get in there and just talk about what we do? And so you've got these people that are all bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, ready for you know a new opportunity. And we need to do better about that as an industry. Um, but companies can do that. And again, it it costs time. That's the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to take a little bit to get you approved to come on base for the day. You know, you got to send that PM or PX, you know, out there for the day. So you're going to lose a few hours uh, with them on that day. But I want to say, Luke, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's free for them to go do that. I don't think they have to pay any sort of fee to go on site um, to do that. Uh, yeah, yeah 90, uh, 90% of the time it doesn't cost a dime other than travel expense and that person's, you know, pay for the day. Yeah, like here we've got uh, over in Fort Worth, we've got the Joint Reserve Base. And there are a lot of active members actually on that base. Or, or there's programs called AGR, it's Active Garden Reserve. So there are posts around every area where people don't even realize it is you might have a reserve space that has active people on it uh, that are looking for this stuff. Um, it's funny, Luke mentioned, you know, don't, don't key in on just these people that served in engineering because very few people that I've interviewed on our podcast came from uh, an engineering background in the service. A lot of them, I mean, I've got people that come from special operations. We have people that come from supply, uh, all these different backgrounds that the common thread is the soft skills. And like Matt, you said that this is what I did. It's, Hey man, you're doing the same thing. So there's, you know, I, I referenced the, the command sergeant major, these people is, yeah, you have those skills, man. Let's just teach you how to use it uh, in, in the real world and not, you know, don't curse everybody out every other second. It's <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, teach you right. unless you're in the field, I guess, but no, let's <laughs> teach you how we do things. Yeah. You can't dress somebody <laughs> down by screaming at them. Like first let's talk about HR. Then we'll get you. you know, the <laughs> but man. Yeah. It's, it's, I went through taps actually just about this time, six years ago now. Um, I can count on one hand the number of companies that I remember seeing there at all. And I mean, it, it's, I guarantee there was one, maybe two construction. I know one for sure. One of the big home builders I remember seeing there, but that was the only construction company I know off the top of my head that was there. Um, and I mean, that was Camp Lejeune. It's, it's the basically the largest uh, Marine base in the country and it was transition season. So what, what are y'all doing? <laughs> like, Y'all are missing so many people. And we, you know, I, I might complain about us as the industry, but it's on guys like me and Luke too to, to educate our own companies and educate our, our trade partners or um, the CM firms, the owners of some of these people just don't know what to do like this. You know, I'm really glad we're doing this, um, but we have to do a better job educating our own teams as well how to do this. Yeah, it's on everybody and it's, it's, um, Matt, you and I uh, were both commenting back and forth on, uh, I think Jed Richard made the post, and he said something to the effect of it's on us to make sure we get the best of both sides connected to one another. Um, it, and it, yeah, it I'm is, really sorry, guys, but I, I, I got to split for another call. It was great talking to you guys. See you, Kyle. Bye, Kyle. Later. He gone. All right. Back to just the Texans. All right. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> I I had to boot him. I was like, you know what? This Yankee got to get him out of here. <laughs> Talking about his nice weather. Get out of here. 
<laughs> but oh man, I don't know if y'all can hear that. The uh, the neighbors' yard guys here. <laughs> I feel time, bad man. for those dudes. It's a hundred degrees out right now. Oh, yeah. I got guys roofers on great weeks. We got roofers coming out soon too, man. It's it's hot on some of these TPO roofs. You know, it can get up one thirty plus because of all that reflection and yeah. Stock up on cold water and squishers or squinchers, whatever they're called. I've roofed two house. houses. Oh. Yeah, I, I roofed two on mission trips when I was in uh, high school, and I will never get back on a roof to roof it if I can help yeah. it. Hard pass. I roofed one in high school. I was my dad. The only reason I kind of got into construction is my dad, and I worked for him growing up, and they did a bunch of different stuff. Anyway, one summer they bought a, a house, and we spent all summer flipping it, so I got to do a little bit of everything. And it was a summer in Lubbock, Texas. You know how hot that is. Oh, boy. Oh, my God. And one of the tasks was, was re-roof it. Sounds good. And that's the one and only roof I hope I ever do in my life. Sounds good right. in theory. It was yeah. good. I learned a lot. <laughs> I learned a lesson of going to do this again. <laughs> you learn the, what uh, not to do. That's the exactly. best way to learn, man. What's that old saying, Scott? The uh, good, good judgment, uh, poor execution, or good initiative poor judgment or something like that i know what you're getting at now i'm totally lost too yeah it's, it's been a, a while yeah yeah longer for me golly <laughs> well guys we'll wrap it up is there anything else that you guys think that you know vets that are transitioning out any words of wisdom gold nuggets advice that they should other than call luke <laughs> <laughs> don't it. be afraid man i think that's it's it is a scary world to step out into that when to give a real practical example, your, your, your food's paid for your clothes, basically. I mean, your uniform, mm -hmm. uh, you wear regular clothes outside of work. You pay for those, but everything's paid for your housing. Like Luke mentioned, living in the barracks, it's, there's a lot more to it than just the employment. So I would just encourage people to find a mentor they trust. Like you guys said, everybody knows some veteran. I mean, I don't care if it's a Vietnam era that they're going to be able to help you too, but find somebody to guide you through that. And also, be careful when you're on LinkedIn too, because there are a lot of these so-called professionals that's, Oh, I'm an expert at transition. Um, I had a buddy of mine, Dan Bradley on, and he discussed, you know, we all have these different experiences. We all went through different wartime experiences, different jobs. So no one person is no one person is an expert. There are lots of free resources out there, but find somebody to guide you through, even if it is one of those firms. Yeah. Um, I always tell people that, uh, you know, one, it, it's it's make a plan and work a plan and have a backup plan and a backup to the backup because it's things are not going to go the way you think. Um, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I, I had a plan that I was working and things took a big left turn and then, you know, the car exploded and fell apart. Um, and I ended up where I'm at and it, it's I cannot be happier with the journey that you know with where i am but be prepared be ready to adapt that's something i think every branch teaches people is be adaptable um have those mentors like scott said and uh yeah just be careful the people you surround yourself with during transition because uh you want to make sure that you're not getting taken for a ride or uh, around people who it, it's just make sure you're around people who understand what you're going through it's the best advice i can put if Makes it sense. seems too good to be true, it probably is. Don't go throwing yeah. your money at everything. <laughs> so if people want to get in touch with you guys and follow up, how can they do that? Luke? 
Yeah. Uh, so you can either go to josephchris.com. Joseph is J-O-S-E-P-H-C-H-R-I-S. And go to, uh, if you go, there's a tab that's services for professionals, and then it'll say uh, veterans under there. If you're a company, it'll say hire a veteran. Um, click on that, and it'll take you to a tab about our BTS program. Um, or you can go to the Meet the Team and just click on my tab, and it's got my phone number. You can get me on LinkedIn, and it's uh, if you just search Luke Hill, there's an extension on the end of it. So it's linkedin.com slash in slash Luke Hill construction recruiter. Tried to make it easy. Um, and you gave me your link. So I'll make sure those are in the show notes. Yeah. It's a, uh, yeah. And that's easiest way to reach me. I'm very active on LinkedIn and uh, always answer my email. So I think I gave you like 10 links. So there you go. You're welcome. <laughs> there's a lot of ways. I mean, I get my, I, I'm involved in a lot, but you know, if they're interested in our company specifically, so I'm a super for RAND construction, that's R-A-N-D. Uh, we're nationwide. Uh, the Dallas team is actually newer, so we've only had this office about three years. So if they're in the DFW area or in Texas and they or anywhere and they want to move to Dallas, uh, by all means, LinkedIn is the best way to reach me. Um, not a lot of people with the last name Friend out there. There is one at Turner Construction, I found out, because I always get asked, are you related to this guy? I've never met him in my life. Uh, but Scott friend, pretty easy. Find me on there. Um, it's great, man. I love hearing from people that I, I got a lot of respect for these people that reach out to guys like us that we've never met, but we're definitely here to help. Um, LinkedIn's the best or the podcast. Um, it's really cool. Cause Matt, I do the same thing. I've got all these folks on and they share their, their information. We're all, I, I, I can confidently say all of us that are on this kind of show or doing these kind of things, we, we want to help. So mm-hmm. Check out the podcast, The Construction Veteran. Uh, it's all all over the major platforms. And then through that, too, you can find I've got different people in different facets of the industry. Reach out to them. You don't have to just reach out to me, by all means. Well, I appreciate it, guys. I know things take your time out. This is uh, we kind of all this is all labor of love. So we're all just trying to do what we can do to help the industry. Yep. Amen. Oh, yeah. It's here to help people. It's what we do. Yes, sir. It fills me up. Thank you, Matt. Appreciate it, man. It's yeah. It's thanks for inviting here. me. I we talked about doing this forever and trying to coordinate four schedules is uh, yeah. Y'all working in and around the construction industry is harder than it looks. Yeah, there's no <laughs> schedule. It's just whenever we can get the work done. So, yeah. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. <laughs>